Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Raymond Schmidt. Raymond is the head of upper school at Escuela Internacional San Pedrana, uh, school in Honduras. <laughs> I did my best attempt. I did study a little bit of Spanish, but, um, you know, we'll find out in a moment. Um, <laughs> we have, I've got so many questions about Honduras and um, the first question I'll, I'll be uh, asking about in a moment to check, as I just said that out loud, is what uh, what language they speak in Honduras um, and Guatemala, as we'll find out why in a moment. Welcome to the podcast, Raymond. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm uh... It's an honor to be here today, and and I appreciate the invite. Thank you. Now, before we give everyone context, just to make, just for my own sanity, um, what language is primarily spoken in Honduras and what language is primarily spoken in Guatemala? Yeah, and uh, in both countries, it is Spanish as the native language. Um, okay. However, in the roles, which we will discuss in a little bit, that I serve in uh, their dual language programs, dual language schools and environments. So in those particular environments, it's about 50-50 English and in Spanish, um, sure. but primarily throughout both of those countries, it is Spanish. Well, I feel a lot better because after I just said Spanish, I thought, man, if they don't speak Spanish there and it's, they, it's a different dialect <laughs> or something, I'm going to look really really silly, uh, which is okay. I'm, I'm used to that happening from time to time, but I thought I'd clear that up. And in this instance, not so. Um, tell us about uh, what you've been doing and you're in the middle of a transition between two schools, hence what the countries that I just mentioned and, and what you're going to be doing in this new role you're stepping into. Yes, thank you. Um, so for the past four years, I was serving as the lower school principal or the head of lower school, which is pre-K through fifth grade um, at Colegio Americano de Guatemala, or also known as the American School of Guatemala in Guatemala City. Um, and there I was the primary administrator and leader um, over that entire section. It, it served about that section pre-K through fifth grade, served about 850 students, about 140 faculty. Um, as I had mentioned just a few moments ago, it's a dual language program where Students are learning all of the disciplines um, in both languages, and um, it really was a fabulous opportunity, um, an opportunity that helped to grow and strengthen my leadership skills um, while also being able to serve the community and the, and the faculty that um, were in the lower school section. Um, that has led me to the position I will be moving into in the next couple of weeks in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, which is at, as you had mentioned, at Escuela Internacional San Pedrana. Um, and I will be serving there as the head of upper school. So a similar role, different grade levels from sixth grade to 12th grade, um, where I will be working with the principals in the middle school and in the high school 
all the administrative staff in those two sections, really helping to bridge those two sections um, to become more aligned in their practices and their assessments um, in meeting students' needs and working with families and so forth. So I'm really looking forward to that opportunity, again, to strengthen my skills and also be able to, to offer what I've learned along the way um, and bring that to um, the EIS community. Yeah, fantastic. Um, one question I want to ask you, we have a lot of educators who listen in all parts of the world. What is the difference between an international school located overseas and say a, uh, a public school that for our American educators who might be listening, they might be much more familiar with a, a public or an independent school in the US or here in Australia where I'm based. Um, any, any key differences or are very much the same, just out of interest? Well, I would say the biggest difference, which, which may be fairly obvious, is the, the population that we serve. In the States, it's typically very, very local, very local, pinpointed to the students that um, are in that particular region, in that particular culture, um, in that particular community. And although that is still true to some extent of international schools, especially those outside the U.S., um, it also serves a, a large population of students from all over the world, typically students um, that are there with their families and have been referred to those schools by the embassies that they are there serving. So, for example, um, at the school in Honduras, much like the school in Guatemala City, um, there may be families there working and serving from Canada, from the U.S., from the U.K., um, from Australia. Um, it could be business related, it could be construction related, it could be government related, it could be any number of reasons. Um, so they're there living with their families. And um, obviously those students need different schools to attend. And, and so many times these international schools are also serving um, those cultures, those communities, those other countries and nationalities, those languages as well. So it really bridges multiple countries and cultures and languages together um, to that one particular school. So that would probably be the, the one big flagship difference. Um, and then in yeah. my particular case, with hmm. both of these schools, um, it is a dual language program where they are learning all of the disciplines in both of the languages, which is fairly unique as well. There are many schools in the States where they may have a language immersion school or you're emerging, emerging students into a particular language. But in this case, all students are learning all of the disciplines simultaneously in both languages. Yeah, how interesting. Thank you for sharing about that. So um, let's start jumping into your story, Raymond. And I, I want to go back to the beginning. I'd love to know, as you reflect on your childhood, when you were growing up, what are some of the moments from that season of your life or even themes that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? Right. Um, that's a tough question to pinpoint uh, one or two particular things, because I think as, as many people experience, it, rarely is it one or two particular things and really more of a, a combination and collection of the entire childhood growing up. But when I think about that and, and I reflect on, what some of those things might be, what some of those most profound moments might be. Uh, I would say one of them would be the fact that 
I'm the oldest of my siblings. I have three sisters and, and I'm the oldest of the four of us. Um, and so there's some natural organic opportunities, like in many families around the world, you know, since the history of time, where the, the older sibling tends to have leadership responsibilities just by the nature of where they fall in the line with siblings. So there was that. Um, I, although I grew up in a, a typical American mom and dad loving family, my, my father wasn't super present in my life. He was uh, more typical working and then not as present as maybe um, other families that experienced. And so I think that also produced natural leadership expectations, or maybe I felt the need or desire to fill some of those roles, especially with my sisters and, and with my mom and responsibilities at home. So some of those organic things, um, I do think helped to shape a role uh, with me ultimately becoming a leader. Um, I've also had a, a significant passion for music and uh, that later in life developed. And um, I found myself in, in many situations where I was leading different sorts of musical um, organizations and, 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 and uh, groups and so forth um, in different capacities. And so that passion for music has also helped to, to strengthen not just my ability to be able to lead as a musician, but also in my professional life as an educator as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think music is, uh, you know, it's like sport. It's one of those things that does come up um, comes up a lot for, I, I just think it's, it's one of those things that it, say you're, if, if you're playing, uh, any sort of music in a band of, of any kind is there's unique dynamics and challenges around that. That's, that has some parallels to, uh, to leadership. I, I want to ask you about what you mentioned around feeling like you were, you know, when you were growing up, I really appreciate your vulnerability sharing around that and saying, you know, there was maybe some expectation or, um, or there was a bit of a gap for you to step into with your mom and your sisters in, in which, which was a kind of leadership opportunity. The thought that came to my mind was around this idea of the burden of responsibility. And that's what I heard in, in that story. Is that something that you've always felt is kind of this burden of responsibility to lead your sisters or to be a leader in your family and fill that gap and, and, and in your career as well? Or is that something, or does that not resonate? Uh, no, I think that's that's probably a fair assessment, a fair perspective. Um, burden, I'm trying to think what might be a better um, description. Burden is, is fair, mm. Um, mm. but not burden in the sense of something that I think was placed on me, certainly not intentionally or certainly not deliberately. Um, if there was a burden, it was something that, that I, I think – innately chose to apply to myself and my circumstances. And it's something that I, I've carried throughout my life. I do recall moments in my childhood where it did feel like a burden. Um, and like any other child, sometimes I felt it was unfair or I didn't like a particular expectation or, or role that I found myself in. Um, but as a grown man and as an adult, I look back on those things and I recognize that many of those, what I perceived at that time, maybe to be an injustice, it, it ultimately shaped me and it ultimately grew me 
in a, in a very positive way, in a strong way, in a way that was necessary um, to get me to the point where I have so far in life. Um, mm-hmm. And so, although it it may have appeared and felt to be a burden at that time, um, I can now look back on that and think those were necessary steps that I needed to take um, without necessarily knowing it in that time and space. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I think sometimes those things that you're going through that you wouldn't, even sometimes things that you wouldn't wish on, on, um, uh, on anyone else, uh, you know, that, that have, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about horror, um, trauma. I'm more just saying things that you, you, you look back and you go, Oh, that was really, um, challenging to go through as, as a young person or, you know, you can look back and think, but I think it really shaped me into, into who I am. Um, I'm interested to know for you, Raymond, out of like moving forward from there, whether it was in your teenage years or your twenties, do you remember one of the first leadership opportunities where you really felt out of your depth, you know, a moment or a role or a, responsibility that you took on where you went, wow, okay, I'm, I'm managing people here or I'm casting vision or I'm just, this is, this is a lot. And you felt like you were sort of having to break through or, you know, break some new ground as a leader. Yes. Um, well, it, as I had mentioned with music, so this was actually a little bit later in life. Uh, I'd, I, I had a passion for music at a very, very young age, particularly reggae music. Um, but I did not learn an instrument. It wasn't something that was uh, th- that opportunity never really presented itself as a as a child. Um, but it was something I was very very passionate about. And I, I one day in in my young twenties, um, which typically at that point someone has either learned an instrument and learned to play, or they had not. Um, I came home and uh, on my way home from work, on my way home from teaching at that time, I, I stopped by a music store. I bought a, a bass guitar, stopped by a different music store. I bought an amplifier. And then uh, this will date me. I, I went home and went in the yellow pages <laughs> in the U.S. that I guess would be equivalent back then to a, a cell phone or the Internet, but that wasn't really available at the time. Um, and I, I, I remember this vividly. I found an ad in the in the yellow pages that said guitars by Eddie and I called him and um, the rest really was history as far as um, learning to play and disciplining myself and it was uh, at times it seemed insurmountable it seemed overwhelming it seemed like uh, uh, maybe the the ship had sailed and I was too old to to learn this new skill but I was determined and I was disciplined, self-disciplined. And then, and then as I learned, I recognized, well, I need to, I need to play with others. I need to find others. And so I literally put flyers up all over town and, and found other musicians. Now, this is where the next layer comes in. All of these musicians that responded and wanted to play with me were very well accomplished musicians, gentlemen and, and, and ladies and gentlemen that had played for basically their entire lives and and for many of them many many instruments so they were far more skilled than I was um, but what I had was the desire the passion the ability to lead the group to organize the group um, to manage as you had mentioned earlier the different personalities the many dynamics which are 
um, incredibly fulfilling, but also incredibly challenging. There's so much reward, but also so much challenge that comes with that. I had that ability um, where they had the musical ability that could help to carry us. And, and so putting that together at times did seem overwhelming. It was definitely groundbreaking for me, especially at that time. Um, but much like some of my childhood experiences, um, that experience also helped me in my, my professional world as well, because people are people, human beings are human beings, dynamics <laughs> are dynamics, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's a child, whether it's a, an adult, um, we are all very complicated. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine as I hear you tell that story, I always um, say if you, if you really want to grow as a leader, lead volunteers in some form, you know, people without a paycheck, that's, that's where you really right. find out how, how effective, how effective um, you are at managing, because once you take away the paycheck, I, I feel like all the other aspects of leadership um, are really left out in the open, because someone can so easily say, yeah, I'm not going to turn up next week. Um, and there's, there's not as much right. cost, there certainly isn't a monetary cost. What What were the biggest lessons you learned as you worked with all those different personalities. Uh, I also love how you were working with people who were more skilled than you. I think that's, that's an amazing leadership ability is to get used to and actually learn how to lead people who have more skills than you in a particular area. Like that's, that's cool. What were the biggest lessons you learned? Well, and that ties into exactly what you, what you were hearing. And, and that is, so you, you know, imagine, it, it, there was there was no doubt that I was the least skilled musician in, with all of the people I had played with. Um, th there was no question um, that was obvious. That was evident. Um, but again, I had I had the desire and the passion to put it together. And like you had mentioned as well, folks without a paycheck, you know, I, at any moment they could have just said, "This is just isn't worth it. This isn't worth my time. I don't I don't want to do this." Um, there wasn't that financial incentive for them to stay. So one of the biggest things I learned really early on was uh, humility was absolutely necessary. Um, the ability to to ask for help and assistance, um, and 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 not let pride get in the way, um, and the ability to recognize that the relationship, not just within music and communicating within music as musicians, but the relationship as human beings and, and all of the other human aspects of it um, were incredibly important. Um, and all of those things apply to whatever the position I've, I've been in, whether it's a, a group of five musicians in a band or whether it's a, a faculty of 140 teachers, um, that level of humility, that level of recognizing um, when you need to um, ask for help and, and seek assistance from the other experts on the team um, and to recognize that those, those relationships that bond you together beyond just the reason that you are there um, is incredibly important and it carries over profoundly for the reasons that you are there. In other words, if the five of us were good friends and friendly and loving with each other as human beings, the making and the organizing and the producing of music uh, was very much impacted by that in a positive way. 
Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, Raymond, one other question I had from that story, you mentioned learning guitar. How old were you when you started learning that again? Um, I want to say somewhere in my early 20s, around 25, 23, 24, 25, somewhere in that area, a, a grown adult yeah. um, with zero, zero uh, trained musical background to the point of, when I bought that bass guitar and took it to Guitars by Eddie, um, yeah. I literally didn't even know the name of the strings on the guitar. So, or let alone a fret or a note or a chord or any of those things. I was as green and, and as beginner as, as you could possibly be. Um, mm. But again, I the passion was always there. Um, the desire was there. And I certainly had the discipline to put in the, the time and effort um, that it takes for an adult versus a child who, who, who tend to pick it up a little bit quicker. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's remarkable to learn a skill like that in your twenties, I think is very rare. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, what did you learn about how to learn <laughs> when you were learning that skill in your twenties? Like you said, if you're, you know, in primary school, that, that comes more easily learning something like that. But what did yeah. you learn about how to pick up a more complicated skill like guitar as an adult? Well, it, it, it requires discipline. And I know I've mentioned that a few times, but I, I can't overstate that. Um, just like with learning a foreign language, which I'll, I'll talk about here in a moment as well. Um, there's all kinds of programs and advertisements and, 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 you know, claims to, you know, little tricks that you can do to learn something so much, so complicated, so much faster and easier. And, and there may be some strategies and skills and, and programs that do help facilitate that. But at the end of the day, it requires time. It requires a dedication. It requires discipline. It requires commitment and practice. Um, and just like someone learning their multiplication facts, there's only so many tricks to learning your multiplication facts. And at the end of the day, you, you just have to practice and you have to um, attain that skill through practice and, and, I recognize that. And fortunately, I had the passion and desire. So that is really what fueled my discipline to put in the time and the practice that was necessary. Now, I find myself currently in a very similar situation, um, nearly 50 years old. And during my entire time in Guatemala, I did not learn Spanish. It was a very easy situation to get by without learning Spanish. Um, but um I am committed to this new role in Honduras, whether it's required of me to learn Spanish or not, and I don't think it is. Um, it is something that um, I am going to put the time and discipline and practice into learn Spanish, which very similar to learning how to play an instrument as an adult is much, much more difficult. My son, who, who moved to Guatemala at five years old, uh, he's fully bilingual, fully biliterate now. He knew no Spanish when he arrived, um, and it seemed like in six months he was fully bilingual and fully biliterate because of his age. So um, I, I know it's a lot easier when you're younger, but that does not mean it is impossible when you're older. You just have to put the necessary time and, and practice in to be able to attain those skills. Yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's so cool about your son picking it up so fast, uh, but also love your uh, courage and determination to learn Spanish yourself. 
Let's jump into Leadership Express. I want to ask you a few of these questions before we we land. The first one is, what is a book or there might be a couple that you have that you often gift to people or you have gifted in the past or you recommend a lot? Okay, so two books that I would recommend or that that either come up in conversation a lot or either to me or me to others um, would include one, Yardsticks, uh, Children in the Classroom, ages 4 through 14 by Chip Wood. It's a, it's a very common, very popular book. Um, and, and by the, the title or the name of the book, Yardsticks, it's, it's kind of outlining um, ages and stages of developmental appropriateness and expectations with with children from ages four to 14. And it, it can really help to guide educators and administrators and parents as well. It's in, it's even a book that I've, I've uh, recommended to parents and not just educators. And then another one is a, is a book that uh, is shared more in, in my academic community. It's a book that was, uh, I was deeply involved with during my doctoral studies and it's called servant leadership by Robert K. Greenleaf. And he, uh, amongst many other different styles of leadership that's dis- that are discussed in the book, um, as, as indicated by the title, um, it really places an emphasis on, on servant leadership. And it was very profound to me because I see a lot of uh, uh, parallels to my natural innate style of leadership in conjunction with um, how he describes a servant style leadership. Yeah, fantastic recommendations. Thank you. Um, next question: Do you have any favorite quotes that you know you have up in a frame, or you know they're they're in your phone, or, or they it's just stuck with you? Could be about leadership. Could be about life. Right. Well, one of them, and it's funny because many of the people that know me would would probably be able to answer that question for you. And it's a very very common phrase. But it's one that I think it is very common because it really holds true. And I think through the last couple of years with what the whole world has gone through, um, it rings louder and more true than ever before. And that is, it takes a village. And I don't think any educational system around the world could have gotten through what we just went through with the pandemic and virtual education and everything that came with that if we didn't all pull together. It required administrators and teachers and students and parents and community stakeholders and the entire educational community and to some extent the entire world to really work together to get through an unprecedented challenge that we've never seen before we've never experienced before um but uh even regardless of the pandemic and, and what we went through um i find that it takes a village is is one that has stood the test of time and will likely continue yeah that's so good uh this question you can pick something light-hearted or something more serious what's a movie or a tv show that is a favorite of yours or has really had an influence on you Right. So I haven't owned a TV for nearly 20 years. (laughs) And so I I really don't know TV shows at all. Um, And I haven't gone to the movies in quite a while. So 
I'm more of a, a, a listen to podcasts, listen to radios and so forth in, in my, um, my daily audio uh, intake is through the Daily Wire. I'm not sure if you're aware of the Daily Wire. It's a, a news broadcast compilation of, of many different individuals. But uh, yeah, I'd say that's my regular steady diet of of entertainment and information. Yeah, fantastic. Daily Wire. Uh, last question for you, Raymond. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? I would say do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And to let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Yeah, that's great. Look on the interests of others and don't you know, don't do things out of conceit. Wonderful, um, wonderful place to to finish and a good reminder for leaders. For people who've really enjoyed today, how can they get in uh, get in touch with you or follow you online, Raymond? Uh, primarily LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. You can search my name, Raymond J. Schmidt. Um, uh, and then I have my ed.d, my, my doctoral acronym behind it. Uh, but also on Twitter under the same name. If you search my name on LinkedIn or Twitter, those probably would be the the two biggest spots to find me online. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. It's been a great episode. Wonderful to learn a little bit about Raymond's life and uh, and about his thoughts on leadership. Don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Raymond, for being so generous with your time and being such a joy to spend time with. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. Um, I'd love to do to do this again. And uh, it really is an honor and, and a privilege to be able to share some of my experiences. And um, I look forward to continue to hear your podcast as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. 
We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.